Austin House Theory Realty. If you need the best, Emily Johnson, broker, owner of House Theory Realty. She is a tremendous resource. If you know somebody who is moving from outside the area to the area and they need someone that will work with them, and she really does specialize uh, in doing that. And I don't know if specialize is the best word, but that's one of the, there are a lot of success stories. In fact, she was talking with us Friday and that um, she has networked with a realtor out in California, and as you know, a lot of people are fleeing California because of the results of the Democrat policies out there, and they are they come to states that are not Democrat states, and Missouri is one of those. And so there is a realtor out there that has taken to, based off her results, when, you know, people that trust her, that she has helped buy and sell homes in the past. And they're like, hey, we're moving to Missouri. We're going to be in the Springfield area. Can you help us there? And she's like, no, but I know someone who can, Emily Johnson. Uh, That's the reputation that she has because of the results. All you have to do is talk to anyone who's used her. So for any home buying or selling needs, for you or anyone you know, Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. (laughs) There's this fantastic story. That leads to an obvious question that isn't being asked regarding pornography that many left-wing activists insist should be available to children in school. We've seen this battle right here in the area, whether it's Nixa, Springfield, those are two. Not that other area schools haven't also dealt with this in some capacity, but those two schools have gotten a great deal of coverage and attention. And uh, the news leader, of course, is, it's clear, on the side of having pornography provided to young children in schools. And one of the ways that you know this is because they won't ever print what is in the book that's offensive. They'll list these books and talk about censorship, and they're not the only one, but just locally because they're they're the ones that do the most extensive coverage of these incidents as a news outlet locally. Um, I, you know, to me, these are just obvious questions. If you talk about something and there's controversy over the content, and that's what the entire battle is over, but you don't say what the content is. You're just like, oh, you don't need to know what it is, trust me. Ah, uh, it's just about LGBTQ stuff. So anyone who doesn't want it in the school hates LGBTQ people. You know, just trust me, you don't need to know. A couple of weeks ago, Senator John Kennedy, Republican of Louisiana, did what a lot of parents have taken to doing in order to provide as much information as possible for the debate on this issue, they actually give the content. They put it out there. Here, This is what it is they want to give your kids. And it has proven to be very effective. And Democrats do everything, and the media does everything, to not to make sure you don't know what's in those books. They want to hide it from you. And so this is why Senator Kennedy and and others have taken to this 
to using this tactic. Now, the specific book that Senator John Kennedy was using, reading from, is a book called Gender Queer. And th- this is actually, there was a newsleader piece not long ago that listed it as the top in their listing of these are books that, you know, horrible right-wingers want to censor. Keep children from reading. Have removed from elementary school libraries. This is the headline of the story. Author responds to Senator Kennedy's viral reading of Genderqueer. Quote, I don't recommend this book for kids. Is that a question that we've we've kind of overlooked? Maybe we should check with the authors to see what they think. Now, obviously, some of them are left-wing activists, and some of them, frankly, they're perverts, and they're, they are groomers. Not all of them. Some of them are, and they get off on creating and crafting pornographic material. And for some of them, it's just knowing that it's for kids. That, in and of itself, is a thing for them but you know, and knowing that young children are going to read it that 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 is a, a turn on for them but then you have a scenario like this where even the author of the book says this is not for kids <laughs> so he read it and then uh the the author Kobabe is the name uh Mayaya Kobabe. And she said, I've seen the clip. Another trans activist friend texted it to me with a very congratulations and I'm also sorry attitude. The author, who uses the pronouns EM and EIR, whatever the hell that means, said, quote, the point of the comics was initially to be a tool to help me come out to my family, a way to say, well, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about gender. So the author, that was uh, the author's way of most effectively communicating. You know, sometimes uh, you want to get a message across, and you've seen this before, and I I just, I, I, I wrote it down. Here, I wrote all this down, just listen. I wrote it down so I could get it right. And as a young person... Uh, this author said, that's what I was doing, but I did it in comic form. The Washington Post asked, the way protesters have described the book online, they make it sound like it's marketed to six-year-olds. The author responded, it keeps being called a children's book. Well, that's because you have some people that want it provided to children. That's because you have people claiming it's a children's book. It's not. This is so interesting because this, like, well, you have people calling it a children's book. This is supposed to be a knock on Republicans when Republicans traditionally here are the ones saying this is not appropriate for children. And it's the left wing activists that say that it is. So the author author responded to the Washington Post noting that, well, some people say this is marketed towards six-year-olds, saying it keeps being called a children's book. Senator Kennedy implied it was a children's book. But I think that's coming from a misreading of the comic book form. Genderqueer is a comic. It's in full color. But that doesn't mean it's for children. I originally wrote it for my parents. And then for older teens who are already asking these questions about themselves, I don't recommend the book for kids. 
Maybe that should be the headline of the, you know, the, sometimes there's a little sort of quote or description you will see on the cover of a book before the title. Usually it's a, you know, best book of the year, says New York Times or whatever. Maybe it should have a quote attributed to the author. I don't recommend this book for kids. This is, again, when you have the, the story regarding the Washington Post asking the question, the gaslighting that they do. Because it is the activists on the left who are the ones demanding that this be in schools uh, and that it is appropriate for children. It is the people on the right who are saying this is clearly not appropriate for children, yet you have the Washington Post and even the author saying, I don't know why people like Senator Kennedy and Republicans, they keep saying that this is a children's book. No, they're the ones saying this is not a children's book. I wonder if the news leader, given that they have specifically cited this book, as one of the contentious books that, of course, you, these crusty anti-LGDP people want to have banned from the schools, if they will write any sort of follow-up, that the author has come out and said, no, this book is not for kids. I, 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 do you think that that follow-up will occur? Latest news update. Good morning, I'm Color 10's Jesse Inman. A new law signed by Missouri Governor Mike Parson expands Medicaid coverage for new moms from 60 days after giving birth to one year. In Missouri, it's estimated this new law will cover thousands of women. A recent report from the state's Pregnancy-Associated Mortality Review Board says the number one cause of pregnancy-related deaths are mental health conditions, including substance use disorders. A judge will make a decision today regarding the fate of a Glendale High School football player. Kylan Mabins has not played this year because of the Missouri High School Activities Association declaring him ineligible after transferring from Kickapoo to Glendale. Mabins alleges racial discrimination, but Misha sidelined him, saying his transfer was for football reasons. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. Now that first story there about Governor Parson and signing the expansion of government program Medicaid to all these additional people. See, that's what they mean by smaller government. Conservative leadership. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Showers throughout the day, a high near 73. Scattered showers before midnight tonight, then partly cloudy and overnight low of 61. Mostly sunny tomorrow with a 50% chance of evening showers, a high near 81. And Friday, a 70% chance of showers through the day, partly sunny with a high near 78. The news leader is, it is, it's embarrassing. There's a, a story, I don't know where it is on the actual hard copy, but digitally it's front and center. Springfield school board member will make bucket list trek to Mount Everest base camp. And that's what the whole story is about. Now, to the casual observer, one may think, man, it must be a real slow news day that you're just writing an entire story, including her itinerary, about going to Mount Everest for this person that the vast majority of people don't even know. 
But that's not what this is. So the, the news leader is for the local establishment, total, complete propaganda. They take instruction from a lot of the articles that they write, particularly if it is against the non-establishment people in the school board context, Dr. M, for an example. They get a phone call. Hey, this is going on. Hey, Dr. M's doing this. So, for, you know, there's, there's back and forth conversations, coordination in order to smear her. The entire episode at MSU with the establishment lying to kids of color about racism and their involvement in racism. I'm not going to rehash the entire thing, but it, you know, it's just a, a very dark and just a, a real bad stain on, on Springfield and MSU and some of the people within the school district. But the news leader immediately proactively goes to work in order to paint the establishment in a good light, those who continue to fail our kids. Those who have track records of failing our kids. And part of it is to, and you'll see, this is an example of it. It is to create an atmosphere in which you just know who the good people are and the bad people are. You just know who's a neato person and who isn't. And this is an example of it. And you almost wonder if there's a quota. There have to be so many feel-good stories about the good guys during a month. And, and they just couldn't even, like, there was nothing. So they're like, uh, oh, you're going to Mount Everest? Let's write an entire article about that. Why? And I'm not saying that somebody making a bucket list trek to Mount Everest base camp isn't interesting in their lives, but I can all but guarantee you there are probably people in the Springfield area who have done or are going to do even more interesting things than that. Why not write stories about them? Well, because that doesn't fulfill the purpose of propaganda. This is the sort of story that would be in an internal uh, workplace newsletter where every month there is a coworker that gets highlighted and you learn about their family and what's in their bucket list. That's what this, uh, that's the sort of article this is. It, 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 it's not relevant to the, the population at large. I mean, you look at some of the stuff that's going on in this city and this is part of what the, you know, it, now, Again, I don't have the physical paper. This is front and center if you go, or this morning, earlier this morning it was, if you go to the news leader's website, as if this is the most important thing going on in Springfield right now. It is the first thing that you saw. There's this idea that a newspaper, whatever is above the fold, is the most significant, important thing going on in the community at the time. And digitally, this is above the fold, or it was this morning. Early. I know it's this morning for you. This morning for me started hours ago. This is, this is digitally on their website signifying in its placement that right now this is the single most important thing going on in Springfield. 
It's it's embarrassing. And it's nothing against Danielle Kincaid, who's a school board member. It's nothing against her. I mean, there are plenty of reasons to, and we've talked about them in the past. I mean, she's part of the establishment, which is why these gushing, feel-good story. It's to help craft in the minds of people, oh, wow, this is a really awesome person. I like this person. So that when there are, again, controversial things or elections coming up, or if she ever decides to try some new venture that requires some public attention, and and it would certainly help to have the public on her side. Oh, look, you already know. Look at all these one. Oh, I remember her. There's no other reason. Now, it's easy when I explain this, and I'm sure the, the, the establishment will rationalize it by just saying, oh, well, that's silly, that's absurd, that's not true. Well, why did you write the story? Explain that. Well, we just thought it was interesting. Oh, you think, you think to the average, I'm not saying it's not an interesting thing for her, for her family, for her friends, coworkers. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's even at the end, it's weird. It's like an itinerary that they get. The thing I printed off one, two, three, four, five, six pages long about all the wonderful things that she's done. What an incredible person she is. Oh, here's her trip itinerary. September 21st, fly out of Springfield. September 23rd, arrive in Nepal after a stop in Qatar. December 25th. It's just weird. Unless you know what they're doing. And it is an embarrassment for the news leader. It should be anyhow. It's an embarrassment for the community that the leading newspaper does this sort of thing. Look, everyone, it's Sarah Meyer. Hey, that's me. And uh, if you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle, but you are wanting to do a little bit longer of a test drive in the vehicle before you make a commitment, if that sounds like you, then you need to check out Avis, the car rental company's new long-term rental program. Now, this program is designed to allow you to drive brand new vehicles uh, without vehicle maintenance costs or trips to the DMV. And one of my favorite things about the program is you can try a vehicle, and if you just get in it, you don't like it, or you want to try something else you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so now avis has everything from trucks suvs evs sports cars so they really do have something for every season and every lifestyle now if you want more information on the long-term rental program just stop by the avis store off of fort and sunshine speak to lauren or you can find all of their contact information under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com don't forget ksgf.com you can sign up for pizza party from godfather Father's Pizza, they deliver four area store locations. That's where you would uh, host your pizza party. Uh, Should you win, they've got an Ozark location, Springfield location, Battlefield location, and Nixa location. They're all incredible. Great owners. It's Godfather's Pizza. Get signed up for that at ksgf.com. Could Amtrak be coming to Springfield? This is the, uh, just is this perfect, perfect example of how government works um and uh we'll talk about that just a bit did you know by the way hunter biden his his um corruption with connections to government began 
with Amtrak. I did not know that. He was appointed to as one of the director's board people for Amtrak during the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. It, It was part of a deal that the Bush administration made with the... Democrats regarding appointments, and part of it was in it, uh, Joe, who was a senator at the time, he did not make the request. It was one of his Democratic colleagues in the Senate that said, uh, as part of this deal, Biden's always making deals. Get Hunter on uh, on this board, and that's seen as his first little taste of oh, look, look what I can do. Interesting. Yeah. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Uh, showers throughout the day off and on a high near 73 and we're going to get a partly cloudy night tonight. There may be showers up until midnight or so, but after that, partly cloudy, a low around 61. Mostly sunny tomorrow, though a 50% chance of showers is possible in the evening with a high of uh, 81. In Friday, a 70% chance of showers throughout the day, partly sunny, high near 78. Can Amtrak trains be coming to Springfield? Color 10 has a story on this Mike Landis put together. ODOT looking into the possibility of starting Amtrak passenger train service between Kansas City and Springfield, possibly Branson. If the service to southwest Missouri becomes a reality, the Ozarks would be tied to the rest of the national Amtrak system. At Union Station in Kansas City, travelers could transfer to other passenger trains to Chicago, L.A., and other destinations across the country. Step one, Missouri Department of Transportation requesting half a million of taxpayer dollars as part of the Federal Railroad Administration Corridor ID program to study the feasibility. Now, a feasibility study was done. Uh, some time ago, when, like 20, 2007, somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, 2007. And you know what it found? Uh, that it wasn't feasible. The, in fact, Mike Landis and his story, the 2007 project looked into the feasibility of a service linking Springfield with St. Louis by way of Lebanon, Rollis Sullivan, uh, the final report stated several millions of dollars would have been needed, and so it just it wasn't feasible. But isn't that typical government? <laughs> let's see. We spent a lot of taxpayer dollars to find out that didn't work. Well, let's wait a while, and let's do a new study and see if we can get it to say that it will work. What is the most ineffective form of travel for a citizen available, if not trains. Now, I'm not going to claim I have any study on this, but I'm just thinking in my mind. Airplanes are arguably getting there, but airplane, an airplane, you can, the, the availability is much easier, while cancellations and delayed flights are something that have, over the past several years, become synonymous with air travel. The fact of the matter is, I mean, it's, airplanes don't have a track that they fly on from one location to the other, and only one plane on that track that goes back and forth, or a couple of trains. At any given moment, I mean, the, the sky is filled with airplanes, uh, flights, there will be numerous flights to a location in any given day. 
Um, you know, and, and so, it, and of course, it's a lot faster. And airplanes don't stop in the middle of the air and have to back up and wait for half an hour because another airplane is going to be needing that same airspace. And then you wait and then you do that three or four times and you end up being four hours late for your destination, which Amtrak is quite frequently doing. And, and they're known for that. And there's certain stretches. In fact, I believe the stretch through central Missouri is the single most delayed. It is the, the has the worst record for being on time of any other stretch of Amtrak, or at least one year it had that designation. I think that arguably there is no form of human transportation, citizen transportation, that is as less financially um, lucrative. I mean, it loses money. Cannot content, can't function on its own. Has to have taxpayer dollars. So economically speaking, it is the single largest failure in terms of travel in this country. And it is the least available which I'm sure their argument would be, well, we're trying to change that. But the fact of the matter is, if you have a fixed track that you have to stay on, you're never going to have the same availability as other forms of transportation that are not on a fixed track. You know, if and of course, a car uh, or motorcycle or truck would be... You know, deals with the opposite situation. I mean, of course, there are roads, but you can back up, you can turn around, you can go 80 different routes. You know, you, I want to drive here to Pizza Hut. There's 80 different routes that you can go as opposed to a train. There's one track and that's how you get there. And these are the set times that you can ride in order to get there. It's, it's the slowest to get from the point that you originate to the point of destination on average. And you may say, well, how can that be? You know, I mean, they can go, especially those high-speed trains, they go so fast. They go faster than my car. Yes, but they stop 80,000 times in between. Because whenever they build these tracks, you have every small town that is represented by a state rep that says, well, wait a minute here. If this train's going to go by my town where my voters live, I want it to stop there because we have a nice little bedroom community. We have nice tourism. And if that if the train stopped there, that would help my community. So you end up with this, oh, it'll be a trip from... And we, this was the same argument with high-speed travel between on a train between St. Louis and, and Kansas City when we've they've talked about doing that. And, uh, oh, it would go this fast, and oh, we would just get there in no time. Every s district, it would stop at least once by the time it was all said and done. Start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. So ultimately, particularly for long trips, it's going to take – a much longer time than one anticipates. Now, the reason that to me train travel is the perfect government travel is because it is the most economically damaging, costs the most, it doesn't make money, it is the most inefficient form, 
And, 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 and of course, you can break that down with all the delays and everything. Yet that is the form of travel that government is always trying to push. It's perfect for because that is government. Government is ineffective. Government, whenever government does something that doesn't work, their answer is let's not do that anymore. It's let's do more of it. Whenever government costs something and it costs more than they, you know, than it's supposed to or it fails, their answer is let's put more money into it. Government is the least effective at dealing with virtually everything, yet they're the ones who want to step in and say, oh, no, we're the ones who should do it. I mean, you can look at everything from education. The private sector has better results than the public sector, but the public's, you know, the government's answer is, oh, no, uh, we're the ones who should do it. In fact, you shouldn't even be able to choose whether or not your kids go private or public. When it comes to medicine, when it comes to all areas, government gets involved, they make it worse. And given that in, for, in terms of travel, the form of traveling that is most reflective of government's results of everything else they touch, it, I mean, it just, it's, it's a perfect marriage. And why government, of course, is involved in Amtrak and runs Amtrak. And, and I mean, so I, I guess arguably... It is, it is government, which is why these are the results. But they're insistent to push it. Push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. Let's do more of what doesn't work. And here we are. A feasibility study was done just back in 2007, and it wasn't feasible. So what's the answer? Well, let's just do another one. See, Essentially see if we can have a different outcome. Ah, and it's just half a million. Sarah Myers, everyone. Thank you. Well, hunting season is among us, friends. And if you plan on hunting this year, right now is a great time to get stocked up on all of your firearm needs. And the best place to do that is a quick draw gun in Monette. Now, whether you are looking for new firearms, maybe you need to stock up on ammo or you're needing new accessories, Brad and his team, they can help you out. Quick draw gun is also really great at posting on social media. They posted the other day, need a new deer hunting rifle? Well, we need good used lever action rifles and are offering top dollar for trade-ins. So if that is something that you are interested in, I recommend taking a trip down to Quick Draw Gun soon. Now you can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. There was a special election that took place in New Hampshire and it did not go well for Republicans. Now, this was a district that Trump won just by a little bit over Biden. Uh, Governor Sununu won by like 22 points. So it's, it's certainly not a Democrat district. Yet the Democrat flipped the seat. It was Republican. And f- the Democrat flipped the seat, took it by 12 points. There was at the same time, there was another special election that Democrats took in um, Pennsylvania, but that was a heavy Democrat district. And, and so that, that was no change. But uh, there, there are going to be some that point to New Hampshire as Trump is not the answer. The individual, and it's not something that I have followed. I'm not going to pretend like I've been following this race closely. But the Republican who lost is characterized as a Trump guy who's a pastor who is a crazy guy and talked about how God told him that Trump won and you know and he's just crazy and 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 he's he's a MAGA Republican. And 
this will be pointed to by anti-Trump people as, see, this is why Republicans aren't winning. But this is, let me explain this. And And I understand that a lot of Trump supporters see something like that and they're like, oh man. There was a primary. If the Republican Party with its apparatus, and I'm not even talking establishment, but just the the party itself, which does have in it non-establishment people, would run candidates that are principled in a way that aligns with Republican voters, then you would not have to worry about some of these people coming along who have never run for office before and who are used to spouting off certain things, not worrying about how it's going to be used against them and so forth, and then blowing elections. The the, the establishment likes to point to some of these crazy, out-of-control candidates as the reason Republicans are losing. But the reason that those individuals are increasingly making it into a general election is because of the establishment Republican Party. Yesterday, we talked about, well, no, it was this morning, actually, opening the show. And, and right now, as many of you know, you hear the, the news and, oh, there may be a government shutdown and fighting over, you know. And, and I think most Republicans aren't even paying that much attention because they figure it's going to get figured out and it's going to result in more spending. And even if there is some sort of cut to spending or so ultimately it's going to be almost symbolic and we're going to continue to have this spending issue we're going to continue to have this issue with the with deficits with adding on to the debt and that is why there are so there are a lot of republicans that just feel as if there it for the republicans who believe in lower taxes and smaller governments there is no party for them any longer so when somebody comes along that is never they've never run before but they're just tired of there not being any candidates that they feel or that the Republican Party itself has gone off track and so they're like well I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and then they resonate with people They resonate with the voters, just like Trump resonated with the voters. That's the fault of the vacuum of the vacuum in the Republican Party that has been created when it comes to this idea that the Republican Party is for lower taxes, smaller government. The story we had from Color 10, Fox 49 at the top of the hour about Mike Parson signing an expansion of Medicaid for certain mothers from 60 days to 12 months. That's expanded government. And of course, we're told by the Republicans that supported how good expand government involvement is, how good it is for government to be involved in medicine, how good and wonderful it is for government to expand in that capacity. Well, if it's if 60 days to one year is good, then why not two years? Why not four years? Why not socialized medicine? 
And so what Republicans are left with when it comes, you know, in Missouri, again, as an example, we're this hardcore red state. And we're supposed to, you know, oh, God, Governor Parson, I mean, you know, this guy just so conservative, tax hike Mike, he raises taxes at the pump five years in a row, along with the Republican Party. Expanding government by way of Medicaid. Something that a couple of years ago is like, well, I'm conservative. I'm not going to do that. Here we're signing it in. And we'll be told, well, why this is different. This is good. Well, people who genuinely want lower taxes and smaller government, what party are they supposed to support in Missouri? Which one? And we're not the only ones dealing with it. And so what happens is if the establishment is not providing candidates that are authentically believed by the voters to be individuals that really are going to fight for smaller government, lower taxes, integrity when it comes to elections, integrity when it comes to government, and, and really trying to clean stuff up. And 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 then somebody who is, has never been in politics before and shoots off at the mouth maybe and doesn't, you know, they decide I'm going to run. They're filling that void. Believe it or not, there are still a lot of Republican voters that believe in those values. And what is going to happen is instances like that special election in New Hampshire that took place in which the Republican traditionally should have won, but instead got shellacked by 12 points. He was some Trumpster. The establishment's going to use that. See, you should have listened to us. But for what? Because for the I what this is the divide in priority for the vote Republican voters versus the Republican Party as an establishment. Their number one goal is just to stay in power. Republican voters, their goal is different than that. It's we want people who are going to cut taxes. We want people who are going to roll government in intrusion back, get rid of things like prescription drug monitoring programs. And, you know, that that's what they want. You cannot be upset at them if they don't want to buy what you're selling. And somebody else comes along who is selling what they want to buy. And then because that person isn't polished, because that person doesn't understand how it works and that you say this over here or you make a comment over here about thinking, you know, that uh, at the example, of the guy in New Hampshire uh, who was a preacher and saying that, you know, God spoke to him and told him that Trump won and the media is going to make him look kooky and crazy and so forth. Well, yeah, because people who have never run for office before, they haven't learned how to navigate that stuff. And they also see Trump, who's able to say things like that, get away with it and succeed, and think that that means anyone who does it's going to be able to when Trump is clearly a very unique exception to that particular rule. During the Trump era, all of the finger pointing from the establishment that, you know, well, this is Trump's fault, that's Trump's fault, well, we're not winning because of Trump, so forth. You can, if you want to believe that, fine. But the reason Trump got the nomination and became president is because of the lack of res successful results by the Republican Party. You created them. 
Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. The Biden administration pushing back against a demand by a conservative legal group that it reveal information about the illegal immigrants being considered for arrest and deportation, including their affiliation with terrorist organizations, the cartel, and gangs. Do you want to know why? The Biden administration is arguing that it might violate their privacy rights. So here the Biden administration is once again protecting the worst people in the world. We are all, as Americans, essentially told that we don't have the right to privacy any any longer, um, and they use that to, to blanket and to, um, you know, they politicize it. You are if you're a left-winger, but if you're a right-winger or if you're, you know, somebody that's pro-American, you're, you know, nothing is yours there there is no acknowledgement of your liberties and and your rights it all belongs to them your private information belongs to them how many guns you owe belongs to them whether or not you see a therapist belongs to them what sort of prescriptions you use belongs to them how much money you have in your bank account belongs to them Whether or not you're vaccinated belongs to them. Whether or not your children are vaccinated belongs to them. Whether or not you send your children to public school versus private school, that information belongs to them. How much money you make belongs to them. So here we have illegals in this country with ties to terrorism, drug cartels, and gangs. And you have a conservative legal group that just wants that information so the public can be aware and know, oh, no, 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 see, that might violate the privacy rights of these terrorists here in the United States that might violate the privacy rights of violent gang members. Once again, Americans taking a back seat, specifically law-abiding citizens. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.